Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, episode 35, and it is the morning after that epic final between Andy Murray and David Ferrer in the Miami Masters final. I'm still in Miami. I'm David Law. I was commentating on the match for almost three hours on BBC Radio 5 Live last night. But I don't think I'm quite as exhausted somehow as Mr. David Ferrer and Andy Murray. I don't think I've ever seen those two individuals, certainly not since Andy Murray became the physical specimen that he now is. I don't think I've ever seen them look as exhausted as they did last night. And that was only in a two-hour, 45-minute match. Goodness knows what would have happened if it was the best of five sets. But it was a thrilling end to the match. It was, it was exhausting conditions in the heat and humidity. Uh, but Andy Murray saves match point and wins the match. Catherine Whittaker is here with me here on the Tennis Podcast. Catherine, wow, what a match. Yes, what a match. I've had several... Um texts and messages from my from sort of friends and family who are casual tennis supporters saying goodness me that was you know that was quite something I I switched on just to see how Murray was getting on and three hours later I was still there watching so um yeah and I've I, you know I've, I feel like I've almost got sympathy cramps this morning just from having watched them them uh, them perform that incredible demonstration of of physicality because that's what it was really um and yeah. uh, i'm full of admiration for them absolutely i mean andy was saying afterwards in the interview we did with the bbc he was saying i, I was on my last legs mm. i mean you know it's as simple as that and 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 the the most um the most impactful moment for me was watching david ferrer cramp you know and actually there was one one moment where he lost a point and then he he fell sideways onto the ground almost like a tree being felled and um he just could his legs couldn't no longer hold him up which uh, you know the thought that that would happen to a man like david ferrer just seemed frankly ridiculous um and uh, and just shows what they'd taken out of each other just an extraordinary occasion this is uh, uh the the second back-to-back big Masters tournament in a row. It takes such a lot out of these players. And uh, and you can understand now why Andy Murray decided to take that five-week break after mm. the Australian Open. That This is what it was for. Yeah. And it's, it's about... Well, you, you were there, so perhaps you can... Um 
shed some light on just how how it felt to be in those conditions but it's a very particular kind of of heat uh intense kind of heat in florida isn't it i mean i was there um just over a month ago now and and i don't i'd only been back from australia less than two weeks before i went out to florida and and you know i was in 37 degree heat every day in australia and yet i struggled more in florida where it was slightly less hot but the humidity was just there was just something so intense and all consuming about the conditions in in florida the thought of um playing 3 hours of that kind of sport in it was unthinkable really um yeah i mean i mean you could you could have done it obviously Catherine. i mean <laughs> what with what with your fitness level i'm just but, being modest uh, yes yeah, well, you know, uh, we, we like to be here on the tennis podcast. Yeah, and I mean, when I when I actually and I'll name drop here horrendously when I got the chance to to uh, warm up Laura Robson for her run to the doubles final. I mean, you know, I, I was obviously taking her to the cleaners, and uh, and you know, but she 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 understood that, and she sort of uh, took the, the the positives, as the players like to say. Now, what actually happened is that uh, I had hit a few tennis balls with her for a, a Wilson demonstration, and and the the greatest moment of the lot was when I hit. My my best forehand and I'm thinking have have that one Laura and she she sort of stepped around it and took it early and cracked it straight back at my midriff and uh, and yeah I thought um, where's the where's the exit to be fair, uh, she's, but anyway she's probably aiming for your head but yeah, she, yeah, absolutely. I, I certainly was. Uh, I, I, I was sporting a bruise after that uh, that particular exchange. Um, but uh, in terms of the conditions, Catherine, no. I mean, to be honest with you, I can't say I really knew what it was like because I was sitting behind a nice air conditioned uh, glass screen in the commentary box, looking above. And but what you could see is 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 everybody around you fanning themselves with their programs and and uh, and and just sweating profusely. And mm. to look down on the two players. Um, Murray and Ferrer and see them just wilt towards the end of it I mean mm. you know okay yeah we, we've had a lot of discussion about Andy Murray's body language over the years and and, and uh, the fact that he kind of tends to show the opponent and everybody else what he's going through I think his his way of dealing it, it with it is just to sort of get it out there and just not be able he, I don't think he can hide it I honestly don't think he can hide discomfort and uh, but Still, he held it together, and when he when he was match point down, and went for that forehand, I was thinking, now that is Ivan Lendl right there, not not prepared to take a backward step when it really matters. He's gone for it, and he's hit the very outside lick of the mm. the line. You Fortune favours the brave. Is, is, yeah. yeah, what sponsor? Great, great then. moment that. Did feel sorry for Mr. Ferrer though. I mean, he. Um, he was unlucky, wasn't he? I mean, he he was so close to victory, and 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 they gave out some stats to us beforehand that in his twenty titles, uh, eighteen of them have come when none of the top four are present: mm. of, of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray. It's it's just not getting any easier for him, is it? To no. get over the and, finish and line, and he's so sort of painfully and heartbreakingly aware of that, isn't he? You know, he he talks about how he's so firmly. Um, the world number five at best, you know, that he, he doesn't consider himself a challenger to those, you know, he'll he'll go out there and he'll give it his best, but he doesn't really see himself as a challenger to the top four, does he? Um, which is which is a shame, but, um, you know, the stats don't lie. That is quite a powerful stat, isn't it? And to have come... To have you know the stats won't remember how how close he came yesterday to beating Murray and and the nature of the match it'll just be no. you know that he failed to beat 
failed to beat a top four player, which yeah. is a real shame. And, but and you know, do you know, it was his thirteenth final against one of the top five players in the world, and he's lost a lot. Thirteen, zero and thirteen. Ouch. Poor old David Ferrer. You know, but, I mean, you know what? He keeps going, and he he's keeps never got a win away. against Federer, has he? And uh, no. I think he got the one win against Rafa in Australia, didn't he? But Rafa was not, not at his best. Is that right? I also remember him beating him at uh, the U.S. Open about right. six years ago, and he was <laughs> sensational that day. Um, but I mean, Rafa at that time had both knees wrapped, yeah. and he was he was sort of really struggling and. You know, I, I hate to take it away from Ferrer, but he's just at the moment not quite on that level. I mean, he—I don't think he ever will get to the level that they are at. He will need to rely on on a tournament opening up, a draw opening up at a Grand Slam, where where one of them just—you know—we've got this fascinating situation where Andy Murray's now world number two, and yet he could still end up having to play all of the three top players in the world around him because or and. and what I mean by that is, if because Ferrer is now four in the world, it could mean that if he's drawn the same, drawn on the same side as the fifth best player in the world on the rankings, Rafael Nadal, and the third best player in the world in uh, in Federer, <laughs> then he could have to play those two quarterfinals, semi-final, then Nadal in the fi- then uh, Djokovic in the final. I mean, it, you know, it could actually end up hurting him in that regard. It, it could, but you still take it, wouldn't you? I mean, there's there's a slim yeah. chance of that. And uh, but look, I mean, look at tennis at the moment. There's there just isn't an easy draw, is there? There's no there's no easy draws to be had. So I think, you know, picking over the the minutia of of just just how many incredible players you have to beat to win a Grand Slam title is almost academic, really, because. You just have to be you have to be the best to win a to win a Grand Slam title at the moment and and that means beating the best. Whether it's three of the best or two of the best, you've that's what you need to be able to do. Well very well said, Catherine. Very well. <laughs> That's what yes, I'm here ab- for. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Um, uh, well, you know, in all the excitement of the Miami final, I haven't even told you about our big interview this week here on the Tennis Podcast, which is the man who is turning 35 this week and who beat Novak Djokovic to knock him out of the tournament. That's Tommy Haas, who has been at the top of the game now for 14 or 15 years. Fantastic longevity and durability that Tommy Haas has shown and as, as, as you'll hear in our interview with him he's gone through a lot in his life five surgeries hor- horrible injuries his parents have both were injured in a car crash as well uh, thankfully uh, they got through that but he's had a tough time in some regards in, in his career Tommy Haas and here he was in the semi-finals and very nearly beat David Ferrer. So we'll bring that one to you uh, in a little while as well. But before that, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, about the Miami tournament. I mean, there were some other great stories. I mean, the women's side, Catherine, Serena Williams beating Maria Sharapova in a, in a really thrilling final that for such a long time, Maria Sharapova was dominating, a set and a breakup. And then Serena just turned it on turned into Wonder Woman as I often think she she reminds me of of that sort of character of my childhood uh, that comic book character and uh, and ultimately won 10 games in a row to win the title mm, there's there's different <laughs> there's different ways of having your spirit crushed by Serena Williams isn't there and Maria Sharapova seems to have experienced each one of them you know there's the Olympic final experience which was just a pretty straightforward crushing and then uh, and then this experience which 
I mean, I, I've no idea. I've I've never been in any situation close to that, but I could could imagine that it would almost be more difficult to to get over that kind of that kind of loss. Um, yeah, absolutely devastating. But um, you know, she what, what can you say? Though, it's you know. Serena, Shara, isn't it? What can you Shara, say? Sharapova Shara, Shara impresses me because because she came into the press conference afterwards and she still handles it very maturely, and she obviously was. Cr- pretty crushed mm. you know as as you would be but and you know she has not beaten serena williams in 9 years if you Gosh. think back to to that 2004 wimbledon when as a as a teenager she Gosh. thrashed serena in the final mm. i mean then it was 6-1 6-4 and then the uh, a few months later she beat her again in the tour finals and you're thinking a this is the rivalry for the next decade and you're thinking Serena Williams looks like she may have met a match here, and she hasn't beaten her since, Maria. Gosh, I I wasn't aware that it that it had been that long. I must admit, and that is quite quite staggering. And so much has happened in that intervening time, and they both players have had such ups and downs. You would have thought there'd be you know there'd be an instance where Serena was down whilst Maria Sharapova was up, and you know that would that would work in uh, Sharapova's favour, but obviously not. That's uh, that's a that's another crushing statistic for for Sharapova, um, but you know yeah. she she'll she'll pick herself up. She she, I've no doubt about that. Yes, absolutely. Well, she's incredibly durable. I, I actually saw her in the in the shop here in Miami, uh, Catherine, where I'm still here. I'm I'm off to the airport shortly. But uh, in the, in the shop here, that they were selling her 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 sweets, uh, sugar pover, because of course she's represented by IMG, isn't she? And uh, they run the tournament here, and they were they were they were shifting these sugar pover packets of of sweets by the truckload. And I tell you, I have ballooned in weight since I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, largely because of Maria Sharapova's sweets. Mm, she doesn't look much like a sweet eater, does she? But, you know, I'll, I'll take her word for it. Yeah, absolutely. No, she doesn't seem to put on weight, but her teeth are terrible. No, they're not really. Um, but, uh, no, it's um, it's uh, it's been a, a, a great tournament, actually, in, in Miami. I mean, and even in the absence of Nadal, who was injured, or, well, that he wasn't injured, he was resting the fact that he, he didn't want to put his knees through it anymore, didn't he, uh, after Indian Wells. And, um, and Federer decided to, to continue his break. But Djokovic's loss was an interesting one uh, against uh, Tommy Haas because Djokovic looked in really good fettle early on. I mean, he was he was dismissing opponents with the the minimal of effort, uh, the minimum of effort, and um, and then he he runs into Tommy Haas. And that particular night, I don't really want to use the word cold, Catherine, because I know that you're sitting there in about six inches of snow at the moment, but. Relatively speaking, it was a nippy old evening. It's certainly oh, the coldest he, I've been at a tournament. Did he struggle to cope? Oh, yeah. My heart yeah, goes I mean, out you to know, him. At, at one point, we even had to sort of um, put our shirts back on, and oh. uh, and uh, yeah, and and some people were even wearing jumpers. But uh, no, I mean, it re- it was for a tennis tournament. It was nippy, and and it, the the ball was reacting differently. It was. I, I guess it was slowing down. Tommy Ease, Haas come loved on, it David. He's world didn't. number one. The ball reacting differently in sort of slightly lukewarm conditions. That that does not an excuse make. It changes things, though. Captain. It, change, it changes it things, but it's, he, he's not lacking in experience, is he? I mean, okay, perhaps he hasn't got quite as much experience as as Tommy Haas, but in terms of years, but in terms of winning and, and overcoming, you know, ad, adverse conditions. 
He was um, trying his best. What more do you want? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's trying his best. And I, I don't think, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there were adjustments that needed, that, that, that had to take place as a result of the conditions. But he's world number one. You know, if, if he was if he was an inexperienced up-and-comer, then, you know, that, that could account for quite a lot, I think. But I, I think that's possibly giving him too much credit, really, to... To um, contribute to, to uh, too much of of that loss to um, to the conditions. There we go. Yeah, I've well, said that's it. an, it's an in, interesting one. Well, I, it, we, we he was beaten by Tommy Haas, who, who I mentioned earlier is is turning thirty five this week, and he is our star guest here on the tennis podcast this week. I've put out on Twitter just only half an hour ago. I just mentioned, you know, what are your Tommy Haas memories? Crikey, they're they're, they're flooding in from our listeners. So uh, uh, there's I'll fifteen just years of, worth, aren't there? Yeah, there's fifteen years worth. I, I know that m- one of my one of my memories particularly is uh, is when he played, I think he played against Federer. I think he played against Federer in the, in the uh, Olympics for a place in the final in 2000. I think it was those two because I know that Federer ended up in the bronze medal match against Arno Di Pascal and he ended up losing and that was a crushing blow for Federer. But uh, Tommy Haas advanced to the final against Yevgeny Kofelnikov and I remember that quite vividly as a final and and uh, you know he's got that lovely single-handed backhand he's still wearing the back to front cap <laughs> at 35 which I think is pretty cool so it certainly inspired me to wear mine back to front this week I can tell you that um, and uh, uh, it's just that I don't pull it off quite as well uh, but uh, I also remember him winning the tournament in in Stuttgart um, best part of a decade ago in, in fact even more now and uh, and he was irresistible that week he, he does play so well and this week particularly he has just been so clever on the court you see the variety he has on that backhand particularly he'll often sort of slice the ball really short and and knife it sort of mm. with, with right to left slice and spin and take it away from the opponent and then suddenly hit a topspin cross court the other way and then he's got the forehand to back it up but he's got just a bit of everything on on that backhand but uh, we've got a, a memory here from Chris P on Twitter at Tennis Podcast sent it in and remembers him beating James Blake in the fifth set at the US Open a few years ago and he also remembers the epic self rant at the Australian Open. And I actually looked this up on YouTube the other day, Catherine, and it's the first time I've seen it, and it is just hilarious. Somebody has uh, caught uh, Tommy Haas at the changeover talking to himself in German, and, and there are subtitles coming up on the screen saying what, what, showing us what he's saying. And he's just basically having a, a, a go at himself, saying, you can't do this. How can you do this? How, how can you possibly do this? You are just so, so terrible. And, and he's just talking at himself throughout the changeover. And then he gets up and he goes and wins the match. Just great stuff. Yeah, that sounds Hating brilliant. Himself. I'm going to look that up on YouTube immediately. He's, yes, um, you are. Uh, yeah, Can we finish the podcast first? There's something um, almost a little bit old, old-fashioned about his game, isn't there? You know what you were saying about the variety he has, uh, or, or but perhaps old-fashioned is—I uh, mean it in the nicest possible way. Perhaps classical would be uh, would be a more appropriate way of putting it. And he's so—he has that physically. He has that Federer-esque thing of just looking like an athlete. There's something very so balanced about his his body he just or he never looks to be off balance on a tennis court which is 
which is quite some skill or, or natural ability. Um, yeah. And and it, it, he it, when he's on, he's so smooth to watch, isn't he? So so smooth when he's in full flow. Um, Testament to his fitness as well, isn't it? That that he's that he keeps himself in such good nick that he he's not off balance. Andy Schooler, Catherine mentions uh, the Australian Open semi-final uh, of a few years ago, good good decade ago or so, when uh, when he was leading uh, Marit Safin, and then the rain came and changed things yeah. around. Um, I should I should add uh, I'm not going to be too specific about dates here. A because I can't remember them, and B because I don't completely trust everybody's memory because I haven't actually checked the dates. Um, but but uh, then there's the the reference of the the Stuttgart tournament that I've uh, I've mentioned earlier on from Mario GPA uh, in 2001. He says that was, and also the Wimbledon semi final against Federer in 2009. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Yeah, he's he's reached a Wimbledon semi final. Mm. As well, and uh, and uh, Rian also points out that semi-final and mentions just how friendly he and Federer were after that, and and it's 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 true that there seems to be a real affection from Haas towards Federer and vice mm. versa. I mean, of course, they came up together. They were part of you know when I was on the ATP circuit back uh, in sort of 2000 2001, there was this big advertising campaign that the ATP launched called new balls please and they lined up the uh, the players looking mean and moody and that generation included the the likes of Tommy Haas and Leighton Hewitt and Roger a very young Roger Federer who was who was very much on the outskirts of that campaign at the time because he hadn't done anything yet Marit Safin was in it and Gustavo Curtin and obviously ultimately it's Federer that uh, that has come out with with uh, all of those Grand Slam titles, and uh, and Tommy Haas has left with none, none at all. No, and it, and I guess we'll never know how much of a part injury um, has played in that because I mean he, he I, I guess it's as as well as playing a part in in scuppering aspects of career, his career, it, it might also have played a part in his longevity because although he's thirty five, I guess he's had such long periods out of out of the game um, that that maybe that's added an extra extra few years onto his career um i mean i know uh, from the champions tour carlos moya um is a very good friend of tommy hearth's and he is just full of admiration for him you know they've they've both got young children and they're they i think carlos is a year older than tommy if that um and they saw one another at delray beach earlier this year and and carlos is just you know it, I don't think he, he, he quite understands how he's managing it and how he's managing to enjoy it so much as he obviously is, but he's he's full of admiration for, for what his friend is doing and and I think it, as you said, it, it's it's just love of the game, isn't it? You you're not still playing at thirty five, you know. Uh, well go- if you consider if you consider Catherine that Carlos Moya is, is- is not you know he's pretty much the same age and they could be on the champions tour together the ATP champions tour on which you work and and I work and and there um Tommy Haas could be playing it too <laughs> and yeah. here he is out there dueling I mean you know it's a great standard of tennis still on the champions tour but to think that that Haas is able to go toe to toe with Djokovic and beat him 
Uh, it is a great credit to him. Uh, Phil Marshall here on Twitter also mentions in regard to that Wimbledon 2009 semi-final run that he had an epic five-setter against Marin Cilic over two days. Then he beat Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals as well. That was his previous victory over yes. Novak before yeah. losing to Federer in the semis. So some some cracking memories there from from everybody. And uh, and Tommy Haas is is a player that has has. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right always been respected on the circuit and uh, and I think more than ever now it's um you know it's 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 great to see what he's contributed tom moore mentions that he nearly got disqualified at ku yong <laughs> ku yong an exhibition he says so uh, and it was uh, and it was amusing to watch i mean tommy is seriously intense on the tennis court and and i mean he, i i have seen him just lose it usually at himself or uh, on his racket um but uh, it, it was very interesting to talk to Tommy uh, a, a few days ago. It was, in fact, I spoke to him just ahead of the, the Novak Djokovic match. He'd just beaten Alex Dolgopolov uh, in straight sets. You know, very nice victory for, for Haas. And, uh, and given the memories I'd got of him and, and the way he sort of lost his, his temper on court and was such a perfectionist, I, I wanted to know whether he changed over the years. And I also asked him... What's kept him going? It is funny, you know, when you hear somebody like, you know, a 24-year-old from the Ukraine and then they, they mention my name and my age, you know, to, to know that you're that actually that much older is, is quite, uh, yeah, sometimes a little bit surreal and, uh, you know, happy to still be just competing well and, and, and playing well. That's the main thing. You are about to turn 35, aren't yeah. you? Uh, yeah. I, I won't I'm say that too loud. No. Um, but, uh, I mean, it is quite something to be out here in your mid-30s the way you are, are doing that and I suppose you don't really need to be doing this so what is what is keeping you out there I mean you, you must put yourself through a lot in training still 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a life after tennis. I know that. Um, there's things that are definitely interest me after tennis. I know that too. You know, I have a family, which I can also fall back onto. Um, but, you know, the sport and that uh, that drive and the, the feelings you get of competing and trying to win and going through tough losses, you know, that's something I would probably never get anywhere else, you know, ever again at such a high level. You know, it, it's such a it's such a thrill to still be going out on the court on many occasions, you know, sometimes it's frightening because, you know, you don't know how you're going to play. Sometimes if you don't have confidence, it's it's very tough to get back and go through all of that process again. The training can be brutal, you know, if your body doesn't cooperate. I mean, there's so many factors that uh, just athletes in general know that you have to go through that sometimes, you know, you wonder about why you're still doing it. And, uh, you know, I've had those questions many times due to injuries and surgeries and trying to come back. So, you know, for me, I just always felt like, okay, if I can get away from the sport on my own terms, I would be satisfied, not because of an injury, not because I'm throwing a towel because I'm not playing well anymore, but just when I know, okay, something is missing that maybe is not giving me the, the drive anymore. But I still have it. I still feel really hungry to, to compete. And I look, you know, I want to have these matches where you go on center court against the top players of the world. I might be doing that again in a couple of days, hopefully against Djokovic here in Miami. And that's what you play for. Five surgeries I was reading you've you've gone through over the course of your career. Is that part of that drive, do you think, sitting there knowing that you can't play and wishing you could? Uh, yeah, you know, you can look, you know, we can discuss a lot of things right now, you know, through the course of my career with injuries. You know, when I was playing with some of my best tennis, you know, I had two shoulder surgeries. I was out for 15 months not being able to do what you love doing. And at that time I was playing some of my best tennis and then you come back and you don't know if you can actually do that again. Then you come back and you have some good results and then, you know, you're getting a little bit older and you, you want it more and you try to still follow some of your dreams or goals. And then you have hip surgery, now 31, you know, about to become a father. And, you know, you have these questions, you're wondering, like, maybe it's time for me to do something else or just stay at home a little bit and uh, and see what interests me. But like I said, there was still something like a drive or something telling me and, and obviously my family and my friends and people that believe in me that said, you know, there's probably still something you can you can maybe achieve. So you go through all of that process and then, you know, sometimes you get rewarded like like I have over the course of a year. You know, I've had some great results and I'm still enjoying it, the traveling and all that stuff. So it's fun. Does parenthood change the, the sort of priorities for you? Does it make you look at the sport differently? I mean, I, I imagine in a way, I mean, do the losses hurt less? They do hurt less. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, maybe that's that the first couple of minutes after a tough loss or something you're not satisfied with. It still it still drives you crazy and you still don't don't like it as much. But when you know that, you know you go home or you know maybe even if your family is with you at the tournament and you have your your daughter running at you or just looking at you, it, it disappears immediately. Where it, in the past it didn't really that you know do that that quickly. So that is a plus in some ways. And uh, you know being a father or, or you know enjoying parenthood, you know you have different responsibilities and other things in life that make you uh, you know realize that tennis is just you know a sport and. Uh, at the same time, it is fun to win, and you try to do everything to 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 possibly do that. And you know, if you if you lose, you you try to at least walk off the court feeling like you you've gave it a you know your best shot. A couple of final points from me: you've been one of the players because of your longevity, the time you've been out there, that you've seen a lot of different generations of, of players. Some and some of the greatest players of all time of a couple of different generations. Mm -hmm. As you said, Djokovic is coming up for you now. You've played Federer at his best. You've played so many of these at the best. Who's the best for you? 
Oh, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, first of all, I feel privileged to have played all these guys, you know, played some of my my childhood idols when I was growing up, you know, still to play, you know, Andre Agassi. Never got to play Boris, you know, I lost a tough match in Wimbledon to play him maybe on third one center court back in 97, I believe it was, and uh, that hurt. But, uh, you know, just to see those people or, or train with them when I was young and then obviously seeing Roger develop into, uh, you know, what he what he's accomplished over the last, you know, I don't know how many years now it is. It's tough to keep track, but uh, you know when you play his when he plays his best, you know it's just it just shows you what you can do on the court and and how you just have no answers of uh, what to do against that. And uh, you know even then I felt like I've had some great battles against him and some great matches that I'm very proud of. And then you know you play somebody like Rafael Nadal his best and you give it everything you have and you feel like you've won the point twice. And then he just passes you on the run and and you just like looking around going what this is impossible, right? And then. You know, you play somebody like Pete and, you know, you just can't read his serve and, you know, even his second serve and it's just, you know, when he needs it, he just pulls it out or he, you know, does the phone on the run when he needs it, just gets that break and you just know it's coming and that drives you insane. And, you know, you have now like somebody like Djokovic who is just dominating pretty much the last year and a half or two where, you know, he's doing some things on the court that, that uh, you know, you can't really believe at times and uh, and the Murrays and, you know, it's... it's uh, it's crazy. I think it's great for the sport. I mean, I'm happy to to have played all these guys. I'm still happy to to go out there and and, and still see what I can do against them. You know, having beaten Roger last year on grass in Halle was you know one of my greatest success um, moments in my tennis career. At uh, you know, so you know, it's it's a great sport. And finally, what what uh, you mentioned, you've got some things you'd like to do when when you finish tennis. What, what are they? Yeah, we'll see. You know, it's not really much to discuss for about right now um, because, you know, I'm still a full-time tennis professional, so there's uh, nothing to say, but I'm looking forward to uh, to the challenges after my tennis career. So there's Tommy Haas, Catherine, and uh, he is, is planning a lot of things post-career, but he has absolutely no intention of, of uh, retiring just yet. In fact, he, he, we asked him, because uh, I was curious after that interview, you know, how long do you see yourself doing this for? You know, could this be your last Miami tournament? And, uh, and he said in his press conference, he reeled off every single week of the rest of the year and what his plans were. You know, sort of the clay court season next, then the grass, then the American hard court season, then you're into Asia, then there's the indoor circuit, and then it's Christmas and it's uh, th- Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas. Oh, and then we're into 2014. So, yes, I absolutely intend to be back here next year. But um, great stuff from Tommy Haas. Yeah, brilliant. I, uh, I I am so pleased to see him still um, at the top of his game. You know, it, it's it's sometimes not enjoyable to see somebody um, uh, playing beyond their best. I suppose somebody who who has been, but he's he's just uh, extending his best, isn't it? Which is which is quite incredible. So uh, good good luck to him for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Great, great, great stories. And we've had a little side story here in Miami, Catherine. We mentioned it briefly earlier, um, and because I, I, I credit myself with the form of Laura Robson, having been uh, her hitting partner for about five minutes and uh, and uh, taking her best shots and uh, and walking off with bruises, um, that uh, she joined up on the very eve of the tournament. She joined up with Lisa Raymond, who's 20 years her senior, um, 39 to Laura Robson's 19, and and Lisa's won, you know, double figures of Grand Slam doubles and mixed titles. Um, and they got together. They, they'd never played together before. They go all the way through the draw, and they end up beating the world number one pair in the semi-finals of Roberta Vinci and Sara Arani and get to the final. I mean, it's just, it was just, it was amazing, and uh, and. and 
great to see because Laura Robson afterwards, we, we interviewed her three times for, for BBC Radio and, and we'll, we'll play those for you now. And as you'll hear, the, the, they really got on well together and they had a great time. First of all, Lisa, perhaps you could explain how the two of you got together. Well, um, it's actually a funny story. I was supposed to be playing with Sam Stozer and um, about two days before the tournament, she pulled her calf muscle in Indian Wells. So um, I was scrambling for someone to play with here and um, we have the same agents, or we're both with Octagon. And uh, I was talking to my agent and she just said, how about Laura Robson? I said, well, can we get a wild card? I said, let's do it. So. And, and it seems to be working out pretty well, Laura. This is great, semi-finals. <laughs> Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I thought we played awesome today. And, you know, we've played awesome in all our matches, but especially awesome today. And, um, yeah, I don't think Lisa's missed a volley all week, so it's going well. Now, Lisa, I I don't really want to be the first person in this room to bring up age, but uh, I've got to do it. So, uh, I'm 20 years older than her, that's okay. (laughs) What what is it like, though, to to suddenly realise that? Well, I try not to think about it too much, but, you know, it's it's great for me because she brings so much energy to the court. I mean, it's fun for me um, to play with somebody who is, you know, could be my daughter, um, who is younger. And, um, you know, and she's, you know, it's almost like a new world to her. You know, I mean, she's got so much excitement and she's got such a great future ahead of her. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, I can teach her a little bit with the doubles and my experience. Um, and, you know, again, and she brings such a an excitement for me um, to the court. Um, you know, it's fun practicing with Laura, it's fun being out there in the matches, so it's been great. Laura, you, you have played doubles with a few different people, including Andy Murray. How, what, what is it like <laughs> being on the court with, with Lisa? Please don't compare me to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's God. better. It's better with Lisa. Oh, um, I <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been lucky enough to play with some really, really great partners and um, Lisa's obviously one of them what is it 12 slams so she's not doing too badly (laughs) Um, and I've definitely learned a lot and you know I feel like even from the first match my volleying is getting better and better and um, you know I'm getting more confident on the doubles court and um, yeah we're both really looking forward to the semis. Final one from me and Laura you you don't listen to this because we're going to talk about you now Uh, what is she like uh, as as a tennis player to play alongside Lisa? Well, um, you know, I've been I've been saying it, you know, all week. Um, You know, I liken her a lot to a young Lindsay Davenport. Um, You know, when I'm up there at the net and and some of these balls are coming off a racket. I mean, they're just unbelievable returns. And she hits such a clean, clean ball. And she's such a clean striker of the ball. Um, And, you know, like I said, I mean, she's got a phenomenal future ahead of her. And, you know, uh, her volleys, I mean, just in this past week, I mean, she's improved so much, like Laura said, you know, I mean, today, I mean, she was stepping in front of me and, and hitting some unbelievable volleys. So, um, no, I mean, you know, and I think the fact that she's a lefty, I mean, she's got a big lefty serve. Um, and, you know, again, I mean, the fact that she's such a clean striker of the ball, um, you know, she's, she's, keep an eye out for this girl. <laughs> Laura, you were out there against the world number one doubles pair. They've won three of the last four Grand Slams. It, it's it's an amazing performance. How did it feel? Uh, felt pretty average, really. <laughs> no, I thought we played really, really well today. And, um, you know, f- straight from the start of the match, we were firing. Um, I was trying to be aggressive from the baseline. Lisa definitely took advantage of the net. So, um, yeah, we had a very good day. Lucy, you mentioned that uh, that you felt that you you would click as a pair when you got together. I mean, you've been playing this sport for a long time with lots of different partners. I imagine it's not always like that, is it? Was it an instant fit? 
well, so far it's been an instant fit. I mean, without question. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Some of my most successful partnerships, we've um, not fit well at all at the beginning, you know, whether it was Stozer or even with Huber. Um, you know, we floundered for the first couple months. So um, this is nice. I mean, it's nice to, 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 you know, play our first event and to just click like this. But, um, but again, I mean, Laura's game, I mean, she's just got so much game, which allows me to do so much. You know, so powerful with her serve and um, her returns. And, and, I mean, she's volleying unbelievable, too. So, I mean, she just – I mean, that team today, I mean, I haven't come close to winning a set in a year. And, I mean, so, um, you know, for us to go out there and play that well against them um, felt great. I imagine, Laura, it's a different feeling having a player with such experience on your side of the net as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. And, um, you know, Lisa's a bit more focused than I am on court, for sure. <laughs> so when uh, when Irani took the medical time out, I was, like, singing along She's trying to, to whatever. Lady and she, yeah, and, and Lisa's <laughs> like, OK, well, yeah, let's focus on the next game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really important game here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, OK, getting back to the match. But, um, yeah, that's definitely a good thing that she helps me refocus. <laughs> Is doubles in generally a... A, a nice atmosphere to play in compared to singles. I mean, you, you seem almost different. I mean, you mentioned after your first round in the singles here that you were trying to keep hold of your nerves. Is, is, are the nerves the same in doubles? No. I Serving out the match today, I didn't feel any nerves. I was just having a lot of fun on court and um, just really enjoying myself and going for everything. And... Um, I, you know, one of the reasons I like playing doubles is because when they're doing eye formation or something like that, I can just pick the place where I want to hit it and then just go for it. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, then we've just got the next point. Whereas in singles, you really have to think a bit more. <laughs> Could you have imagined this a, a, week and a, a, week, a week and a half ago, Laura? Where, you know, if I'd have come and said, you, you're going to be in the final on Sunday, what would you have said? Um, I would have said... Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've well, I've been here for over it's two weeks today actually, so loving Miami, and um, looking forward to spending a couple more days here. And finally, Lisa, you're into the final. You can't stop here, you know. You've got to be a full-time doubles partnership now. Oh well, you know that's something Laura and I could definitely talk about. You know, playing I'm more. Still ranked high enough, even after this tournament. That's okay. I'm But, you know, again, uh, it's something, you know, I'd love to play more with her. Um, and um, we'll just, you know, talk about it. But I really think that it's uh, it's a great partnership, you know, as far as our, especially our styles of play. I mean, again, like I said to you guys the other day, she just, you know, she kids around that I was more serious and she was, you know, a little more lighthearted, you know, on the changeover. But that's great for me, too, you know, to to kind of, you know, have more of a laugh out there and and uh, and enjoy myself, but yet still be as serious and still want to win, so. That's something you'd like, Laura, to carry on playing with Lisa a little more? Absolutely. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty well so far, so why not? Well, Lisa, it was ultimately unsuccessful in the final, but a great week. Great week. Um, successful week. Um, you know, unfortunate, you know, we came up a little short today, but, you know, so many positives <laughs> Um, to look at and, uh, you know, a lot to look forward to. Are you sure that you two have never really played together before? Because we've got Laura behind you making fun of you here. We've, uh, we've had discussion of mutual I'm admiration of fun. horror movies. I'm not making fun of her. She's just the perfect height for a shoulder rest. Um, <laughs> nice. 
Good for something. <laughs> but she moves so fast at the net that it doesn't matter that she's a little bit on the short side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I thought we played amazingly well together, singers are only seeing as it was only our first tournament together and um, I think we have so much to improve on in the future and you know I think we can do really well especially on grass. You're already talking about the future how how, how much are you planning ahead I mean Laura's just mentioned grass there does that mean Wimbledon? But, but yes I mean I think uh, you know I've got to talk to a couple people um, but um, you know I love this partnership you know and I feel like for me I need to play with somebody who is, you know, fully committed to the doubles and, uh, you know, is going to play a full schedule and, you know, because I think that's important to be on the court together um, as much as possible and, and gain that momentum. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I think we will you will see us at Wimbledon. Wow, that's very exciting. And, and what next for you, Laura? Where do you go next? I am about to get onto a flight to Charleston in about two hours. So um, I'm going to have the world's quickest shower <laughs> and then jump in the car and Lisa's going tomorrow morning so we'll see each other there happy memories and uh, any more any horror films on the plane on the plane um, well I have to I still have to see The Human Centipede I have not seen that what on earth is that, that that's what on earth is The Human Centipede it's, it's, it is it what it sounds like yeah, it's, it, I'm not I watching that I can say the rest on the radio okay alright well it sounds <laughs> horrendous but uh, I'm glad you both enjoy it thanks very much for, for all, all your help this week thank you thank you, thank you. so there's Lisa Raymond and uh, Laura Robson talking to me for BBC Radio 5 live earlier this week Catherine and, uh, and Lisa Raymond revealing that they will play at Wimbledon together what a story that'll be well, I suppose Laura's got uh, got pedigree in doubles at her young age, hasn't she, at Wimbledon? So having won the um, the mixed silver medal there at the Olympics, so uh, yeah, I guess she, I guess Lisa Raymond just wanted to to bagsy her early, and and why not? That's that's brilliant news. No, it really is. No, it's great great to see, and and I I particularly liked the way Laura sort of carried herself in the, in the the interviews with Lisa you could see how much she enjoyed having company on the court and and in the in the interview room i, I sometimes think that laura looks pretty anxious in uh, both on court as a singles player and in the press conference room i mean she's very young of course she's only 19 years of age but and i do think as much doubles as she can play i think some some players are better off without it because of the, the the way it sort of exhausts them and so forth. But I think that Laura Robson, certainly in the, in the next year or two, it'll really do her good to be a doubles player as well as a singles player. I think it, it can help her. Yes, definitely. And, and I think possibly a reference to be made to, um, you know, the... the what what Heather Watson said after after her loss in Miami, which she she later admitted was was a slightly knee jerk reaction to what was obviously a horrible loss. But you know these these are young, these are very young people, and tennis is is a very lonely sport on 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 and off the court. And I I I think uh, I think a, a bit of doubles here and there, particularly you know with somebody really experienced and and uh, like Lisa Raymond who's obviously got a lot of wisdom to impart um can be no bad thing really so um yeah it's interesting you talk about sort of a, a, a change in Laura in in press conference scenarios and everything because because that's exactly what I'd sort of hope to see as a result of you know playing a bit of doubles and having some success you know success however it comes um, you know, it can only be good for, for confidence, can't it? So um, I think it's a brilliant thing for every, everyone concerned. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Great stuff. And uh, it's been a, a really good tournament in Miami. It's Davis Cup Week next week. So we'll be following that with interest here on the Tennis Podcast. We've got some great interviews that we've uh, that we've got to play you as well over the coming months. Uh, I've been speaking to Bob Brett about uh, about the Boris Becker and Goran Ivanisevic years. Wonderful stories. The great coach Bob Brett's been telling me I've, I've spoken to Nick Bolletieri who talked all about the Andre Agassi years that he spent and many other players that he's uh, he's been with as well I talked to, to David Felgate about uh, about bringing Tim Henman through from 17 year old to Grand Slam semi-finalist we've we've also spoken to his his new pupil Donna Vekic who's uh, the youngest player in the top 100 and Catherine I spoke to Serena Williams. How cool is that? <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. She'd just beaten uh, Maria Sharapova uh, in the final and uh, and she was able to talk to us on the BBC and also an interview we can hear on the Tennis Podcast. So we'll look forward to bringing you that. Catherine, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. Very welcome. And uh, Until the next time. Absolutely. And thank you to all of you for listening. And we'll be back speaking to you soon here on the Tennis Podcast. Bye-bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 